2: What's up, everybody? BJ Cruz here from Two Jabronis with a wrestling podcast on the Blue Wire Network with another installment of the Blue Wire Wrestling Pod Squad's ESPN WrestleMania Roundtable Recap. That is a mouthful. As a reminder, for those of you listening on the Fight Game Podcast and Top Rope Nation who are probably and rightfully thinking, wait a minute, this is not the smooth, sultry tones of Double G, John, or Ryan, Kyle, or Justin? Well, with ESPN and WWE teaming up to air a few classic WrestleManias on actual ESPN airwaves, and yes, that's on ESPN, not ESPN2 or ESPN News or The Ocho, we're talking ESP freaking N. The wrestling and combat sports podcasts on the Blue Wire Network thought it'd be a great idea to... Team up and relive these WrestleManias with ESPN and, of course, with you, our fantastically faithful listeners. So, again, this is what we're going to do. We're going to re-watch these WrestleManias along with you, and then each of us individually is going to pick our favorite match or moment of the card and break it down. Not like DX, but documentary style. Sound good? Next up on ESPN's Airwaves was WrestleMania 32 emanating live from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, home of the Dallas Cowboys. A few things to note about WrestleMania 32 before we move on to each of our favorite matches. It took place on Sunday, April 3rd, 2016, with an announced attendance of 101,763 people. This number, however, was disputed at the time, as noted in Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter, where it was reported that the actual attendance number was in the ballpark of 93,000 people, which was still a WWE record for attendance, but obviously much lower than WWE reported. The card consisted of 12 matches, 3 on the pre-show and 9 on the main card. Although one of those quote unquote matches was the six second match The Rock had with Eric Rowan, the main card ran a total of four hours and 49 minutes. Yikes. All right. I'm going to take some of The Rock's advice here and know my role and shut my mouth and throw it to one of my Blue Wire Wrestling podcast brethren, Ryan Drosty from the Top Rope Nation podcast for our first breakdown. From WrestleMania 32.
1: Coming up next, Brock Lesnar and that man, Dean Ambrose, will meet in a no holds barred, great fight. Will Dallas be turned into Suplex City for the Ambrose Asylum? It's the Lunatic Fringe versus the man simply known as the Beast. What's up guys? This is Ryan Drosty from the Top Rope Nation wrestling podcast and I am here to discuss a significant moment from WrestleMania 32 that is the Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose now John Moxley no holds barred street fight and I feel like this match is just overall very representative of WrestleMania 32 as a whole because WrestleMania 32 just wasn't a great WrestleMania by any stretch. And I think when you look at the show now in 2020, you see two guys on this card who were heavily underutilized. That being, of course, Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley, and Stardust, a.k.a., of course, Cody Rhodes. Both of them major stars now with All Elite Wrestling. In fact, Moxley is the current AEW World Champion as we record this. But if you go back to 2016 and WrestleMania 32, I kind of want to make this a broader discussion about how WWE continually dropped the ball with the Dean Ambrose character. So just as a broad overview, when you go back to like 2014 when the shield split up in June of that year, uh, Ambrose had recently lost the U.S. title. He had a 351-day reign as U.S. champion, as a member of the Shield. Uh, So it looked like this was a guy who big things were in the future for. People often talked about him as like the new age Rowdy Roddy Piper. And what we saw immediately after the Shield split up was Rollins, Seth Rollins, of course, get many opportunities to shine. Roman Reigns, of course, many, many more opportunities to shine. And Dean Ambrose continually booked terribly i mean, I just looked down the list of all of his matches he had after the shield split up in june of 14 going into wrestlemania 32 just under two years later after the shield split up he had a feud with rollins which of course uh, made sense they first interacted in a big way at the money in the bank pay-per-view that year which uh of course rollins won which he later would cash in to become world champion at wrestlemania 31 uh, Kane interfered in that, costing Ambrose the match. Rollins and Ambrose go on to have a SummerSlam match that year. Ambrose lost. They had a Raw match the night after that, Falls count anywhere. Kane interfered and Ambrose lost. They, <laughs> they met up at uh, Hell in a Cell once again. Ambrose lost, this time because Bray Wyatt interfered. So then Ambrose gets into a feud with Bray Wyatt. And it's loss after loss after loss. He loses to Wyatt at Survivor Series, uh, at TLC the next month, on Raw, Christmas edition of Raw. And then in January, in an ambulance match, four straight losses against Bray Wyatt. At that point, he gets involved in a feud with Bad News Barrett. He loses to him at Fastlane, and he loses to him at WrestleMania 31. That would be Ambrose's first WrestleMania post-SHIELD, a year before WrestleMania 32. Finally, at Extreme Rules in April of 2015, Dean Ambrose gets his first pay-per-view victory since the SHIELD had split up. That's right. Almost a year later, he defeats Luke Harper at Extreme Rules. After that, once again, he's feuding with Seth Rollins. Uh, In May of that year, he gets a win, on raw it's a non-title match they parlay that into a fatal four-way match at the payback pay-per-view which also involved randy orton roman reigns and uh he loses okay then there's an elimination chamber match it's a dq victory for ambrose of course the title didn't change hands at this point i should have mentioned seth rollins was the world heavyweight champion uh, this was Rowan's first big significant feud after winning the title at WrestleMania 31. They have a ladder match at Money in the Bank. Once again, Ambrose loses. At that point, they turn Ambrose back to his old partner, Roman Reigns. And he and Roman Reigns have a tag team feud with the Wyatt family. It's during this feud that Braun Strowman would debut. Eventually, as you all will recall, very unfortunate, circumstance seth rollins was legitimately injured at a house show overseas in november the world title was held up there's a tournament to crown the new champion a 16-man tournament and it ends up coming down to roman reigns and dean ambrose the former shield members at the survivor series and of course roman reigns won the world title dean ambrose once again on the losing side of things All right, then we get to December. We're just a couple of months before this match with Brock at WrestleMania 32. We get back on the board winning here. At December's TLC, Dean Ambrose wins the IC title over Kevin Owens. Uh, It's his first singles title after losing the uh, U.S. title almost two years earlier. At the 2016 Royal Rumble, you may remember, and I'm sure this is going to be talked about on this podcast if it hasn't already, We had the world title on the line. Triple H won the world title at the 2016 Royal Rumble. Dean Ambrose was the last man left with Triple H in that Rumble, but Triple H won. In February, on Raw, Ambrose lost the IC title back uh, to Kevin Owens in a fatal five-way match. Fastlane, February 2016. We have Roman Reigns taking on Brock Lesnar, taking on Dean Ambrose. This is to to determine the number one contender. For WrestleMania 32. Who takes the fall? Of course it's Dean Ambrose. Pinned by Roman Reigns. So we know at this point it's going to be Roman Reigns. And Triple H at WrestleMania. The next night on Raw. Ambrose challenged Brock Lesnar. To a WrestleMania no holds barred street fight. Paul Heyman accepted the challenge. Now between then and WrestleMania. There was a chance this could become the title match. In fact at March's roadblock pay per view that year. Uh, we had Ambrose take in on Triple H for the world title. Once again, he is bested by that guy, Triple H. So we're at WrestleMania now. And at WrestleMania, we've got Brock Lesnar, one of the most significant singles competitors for Dean Ambrose to face. No doubt about it. Brock Lesnar, one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star on the roster for me this is an opportunity for Dean Ambrose to overcome all of that bad booking I just went through to become a major star for this promotion. Then you have the fact that it is a no holds barred street fight. So basically, you could protect Brock Lesnar in the loss here. It's perfect. I thought going into this match, Dean Ambrose was certainly going to win. But Brock, you know, could say, oh, you needed all those weapons to beat me didn't go that way guys Brock Lesnar defeats Dean Ambrose in 13 minutes in a match that I would say was pretty forgettable now if you look at Brock Lesnar and his Wrestlemania history since returning to the promotion the night after Wrestlemania 28 in 2012 at Wrestlemania 29 in 2013 he lost to Triple H Sensing a theme here with Triple H. Triple H beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 29 in a Nolds Bard match. Of course, at WrestleMania 30, talked about this on the podcast last week, Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker, the ultimate WrestleMania victory. And at 31 the year before, Seth Rollins cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase during the main event that involved Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. But it was Roman Reigns that took the pinfall. Rollins pinned Reigns. Brock Lesnar was protected in that loss. And that brings us to WrestleMania 32. So my point is Brock Lesnar just, he didn't need the victory over Dean Ambrose. Regardless of what would have happened in this match, Brock Lesnar's spot is secured. Dean Ambrose, I felt like what happened in those two years following the Shield breakup forever tarnished his run with WWE in the eyes of many fans. Despite this guy being very, very popular. Despite him having seemingly the pedigree, seemingly having, having all of the attributes that would make a top WWE star coming out of the shield, he was routinely booked in loss after loss after loss in big matches. This is where they could have turned that around. He gets a victory over Brock Lesnar. It wasn't to be. Brock Lesnar won the match following an F5 onto a pile of chairs to cleanly beat Dean Ambrose in Dallas that night. Huge error in my opinion. They did try to rehab Dean Ambrose later on. It wasn't actually that much longer after this that he did get his one singular WWE Championship victory. Uh, that summer, the summer of 2016. But for me, I think they had already dropped the ball. I think Ambrose was already becoming very, very frustrated with his usage in WWE. And all you have to do is look back at some of those interviews he gave when he left the WWE last year to hear him talk about just how frustrated he was. And we're seeing this guy come alive in AEW. He is a guy who is super charismatic, who loves the business, and it's very frustrating to hear him talk about you know how WWE dropped the ball with him, and how frustrated it made him. Because I'd have to agree. I think, I think you just you go you go through the back catalog of all of those matches between 2014 and 2016, and huge missed opportunity for WWE. And I think the match at WrestleMania 32 in particular pretty much put an exclamation point on that. Unfortunately. <laughs> So that's my section of this week's broadcast. I will be back with you all next week for the WrestleMania 35 edition of this podcast we're doing here for Blue Wire. In the meantime, check me out over on the Top Rope Nation Wrestling Podcast. And at this point, I think I'll throw it back to Ben Cruz.
2: Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, that match is definitely interesting to watch, especially after Moxley's interviews, after his WWE exit, especially... You know, him talking about that match specifically and how Brock was not the easiest person to work with. I guess we'll just kind of leave it at that. All right, let's keep this train moving. Next up, we're going to go to my friend over at the Fight Game Podcasts. The man, the myth, the legend. Double G, what do you got?
0: Double G from the Fight Game podcast. And my favorite match moment from WrestleMania 32. Well, there, there's a few of them. And, and I think uh, looking back, uh, I think, I think you know, just the idea of this gigantic show, WrestleMania 32 from Jerry's World in Dallas. They, they missed an, an opportunity to have like a historic show. Um, but there were some good moments. Now, live... Uh, You know, I I attended live in Dallas. It was my fourth WrestleMania that I've actually been to live. And Jerry's World is gigantic. It is a phenomenal place to to watch a show. But um, because it was so big, sometimes, you know... It took a little while for for the crowd or for you to really you know, feel the crowd necessarily. but uh, these three moments that I'm, I'm gonna mention, uh, I thought were uh, you know were, were the kind of you know biggest pops, like people who I was watching with the uh, F4w online community shout out to them. Uh, we were kind of like, you know we were expecting a, a big show and, and on paper, maybe it wasn't going to be the best wrestling show of all time, but I think uh, we expected it to be a little bit better than it was. But um, the one thing that I do remember is they didn't let us get into the building forever. I don't exactly remember. I think we heard a couple of different stories, like the electronic ticket machines were down or something. So when we actually got into the building, it was already uh, the end of the opener, which was, I think, Callisto and Ryback, of all people, was the match. Um, So, okay, so League of Nations is facing the New Day in a a four-on-three match. And uh, after the League of Nations win, uh, I think it's Wade Barrett calls out, you know, no three men could ever beat us. And all of a sudden you hear Shawn Michaels' music, and then you hear Mick Foley's music, and then you hear Stone Cold Steve Austin's music. So as far as pops are concerned, like the building, who got the biggest pop from that... uh, that gigantic crowd, it had to be Austin, and which is which is sort of amazing that you know, WrestleMania 32 is, uh, as far as his in ring, is like 13 years since his last in ring at WrestleMania, so pretty amazing that he still gets that kind of pop. Of course, it was in Texas, but I mean, ev- people were coming from everywhere to see this show, there, it wasn't like a local crowd or anything. So they do their thing, and Austin and and Sean and Foley, and uh, they they beat up those guys. And then the New Day come in, and they try to dance, and there's a little bit of dancing going on. Austin, Sean, and Foley are doing some bad dancing. And then uh, Austin hits Xavier Woods with the stunner, and they all drink beer. That moment was uh, pretty pretty memorable, and I remember looking over to, uh, I think it was Jeff Hawkins, uh, a buddy who was there with me, and I was like, okay, I I can get into that. And the reason... Is because uh, WrestleMania 25 was sort of similar. That was in Houston, at their big dome, and um, that show was, you know, maybe, that show's one of the worst WrestleManias just on how big it was and 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 the actual output of that show. But the same thing happened where. Austin gets into the Hall of Fame. He comes out on that show, gets the biggest pop of the night. And I was like, okay, you know, the this show's, this show's not that good, but at least I saw and got to hear that music again, got to hear that pop again. This was sort of the same thing. Austin got to hear Austin's music, got to hear the pop, got to see him drink beer. That was better than the majority of the stuff that happened on this show. So the second thing uh, that I wanted to point out was uh, the, the women's three-way. So you remember that for... You know, for much of the 2000s, the belt was actually called the Divas title. And then uh, Stephanie McMahon decided, or she didn't decide it, but, <clears throat> you know, she was the one who made the announcement that, you know, it was going to be the women's title, no more Divas, you know, the women's title is equal to the men's title. And they did a lot of, like, historic stuff uh, when it came to that weekend for the women and I think Lita was there and she was you know she was the one who was going to present the the winner the new belt Charlotte comes in as a Divas champion and I just realized as I was watching this match back that the real sort of evolution or whatever whatever you want to call the the Divas movement kind of started exactly the year before WrestleMania 31 uh, the NXT show Charlotte and Sasha I think it was Charlotte and Sasha uh, had a really good match on that show that the crowd was just crazy for. So fast forward a year it's now Charlotte and Sasha and Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is not quite the man yet though she I think she's figuring out her character what sort of eventually evolves into that man character and um, the thing the most memorable thing about this match, The match was good, actually. You know, I think it's sort of forgotten a little bit in WrestleMania lore. Uh, It was a really good three-way. I think the people didn't really want Charlotte to win. You know, and Charlotte's always going to be overpushed by by WWE. She's got the look. She's got the lineage. She's athletic. She's tall. um, and, And she's a really good athlete. Like, I have no problem with Charlotte. But at this point, I think there was an opportunity to really shoot Sasha Banks to the moon she comes out with, I think Snoop Dogg is her cousin, and he's rapping, and she's coming out. She looks like a gigantic star in the making. And, she, you know, out of the three women, Becky's actually the, the least charismatic out of the three, which is kind of funny if you think about that now. But Charlotte had to win. That was kind of the thing, and uh, and I think it was a missed opportunity for Sasha because she's, got, she's the one with... A little bit of something different when it comes to the women now you know today you know she she's she gets hurt a lot and and that's part of the reason why she doesn't uh, get pushed as much but at this point i was just like man this woman is a gigantic star and it comes across very well on tv so the last thing that i wanted to mention was um oh the, the other thing that was actually kind of cool about that moment is when you watch this back on the tv version which you know the live version of this show was fun the tv version of this show is not good the show is like six hours long, and it and th- it really left a bad taste in my mouth, the length of the show, and it's kind of why I don't really go to see WrestleMania live anymore. I've attended two other weekends, the weekend in New York and the weekend in New Orleans, and I actually flew home before going to WrestleMania because I didn't want to sit there for seven hours. But anyway, there was a really cool uh, Demi Lovato song, Complicated, with the video package, which was awesome. So that, that kind of set the tone for that match, so... Uh, last thing is uh, right before the main event, Rock comes out, and you know the the thing about this show when it came to to the um, the older stars is I think they mentioned the Rock was going to be there, but they didn't mention what he was going to do. Cena had teased that he was coming back. I think he was hurt, but you know he was sort of on his way to not you know he Roman Reigns was going to be the the new John Cena at this point, so Cena was going to be kind of like. You know, he was going to be around, but he wasn't going to be a focal point. He wasn't even going to wrestle full time. Um, But, you know, Austin and Foley and, and Shawn Michaels, like they weren't even announced. Like there was like they, they were looking for the that surprise pop all uh, all show long. So Rock comes out and I didn't realize this, but when I when you watch it back on the TV version, he's wearing wrestling boots. So I didn't. I I just figure, you know, though. There's always talk. Is Rock gonna wrestle? What is he gonna do? And so, you know, when we're there live, I did not even realize he was wearing wrestling boots. He's wearing tank top and like some, some uh, uh, NBA those like tearaway pants. And so, um, uh, I, I, I remember thinking like, okay, it's just cool that he's here sort of the same thing as WrestleMania 31 where he has Ronda and they do like a little thing to tease. I didn't actually think he'd get physical. And so Bray White and the Wyatt family come out after Rock talks about how many people are in the building and they decide to have a little little one-on-one action with Rock and Eric Rowan. And it's like a seven second match. But you know, looking back, you're like, oh yeah, he's wearing tearaway pants and he's wearing wrestling boots. Of course, he's going to do something in the ring. So, you know, he he's in full gear underneath his clothes has the match and he's about to get the three-on-one from the Wyatt family and out comes John Cena so they did the thing with Cena and Rock you know they had the they had the um the two back-to-back main events at WrestleMania 28 and 29 where you know John Cena gets the the torch for like the seventh time and um and they you know they they they're they had the feud and you know they're both in Hollywood and rock was welcoming john back to to uh you know from his injury or whatever what i don't i don't actually even remember what it was back then but so those were the three moments um that i really enjoyed being at that show live uh i think if i if i would rank them i think still austin the austin pop is a one for me but you know I, i i'm a huge austin fan so anyways that's it for me. Uh, thanks to uh, all the fellas who, uh, as, uh, as uh, Ben calls them, calls us, the, the Blue Wire Pod Squad. Thanks to the Blue Wire Pod Squad for putting this Blue Wire Synergy Podcast
2: together. Thanks, Double G. And thanks for plugging the uh, faction name that I'm trying to get over with us over at the uh, Blue Wire Wrestling Pod Squad. Maybe we should, we should get some t-shirts made. KJ, if you're listening, we, uh, we want t-shirts, we want stickers, uh, we we want the whole shebang. All right, we're going to keep this thing going, and I'm going to throw it on over to my incomparable co-host over at Two Jabronis, the man, the other myth, the other legend, Jeremy Loss. Jay, what do you got, dude?
1: We still have our main event, the game, Triple H, the champion. The challenger, Roman Reigns. These two men will battle for the biggest prize in the history of sports entertainment the WWE World Heavyweight Championship.
3: What's up, guys? This is Jeremy with Two Gibronis Pod. Um, and I wanted to talk about Roman versus Triple H at WrestleMania 32. Now, not because this is like a, a great match. We all understand that this wasn't a great match and this was basically put together at the last minute because of the Seth Rollins injury. Um, I wanted to talk about it because this was supposed to be the shield triple threat that we all wanted, that we just all expected, uh, and that would have really capped off a special WrestleMania. Um, and unfortunately, with Seth going down, things were shifted, um, and then you were forced to get Dean Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar in just a god-awful match. Um, and then you had Roman versus Triple H. Now, Do I think there were better options out there for this match? Yes. Um, But they did the best they could. I thought Triple H coming in with the authority, still being that authority figure, um, the the quote-unquote monster heel within the company, I thought he did an okay job uh, of kind of carrying this card. Obviously, people were still very against uh, the fact that Roman was quote-unquote being shoved down their throat. Um, And you could hear that at the very end of the card. Like, they went off the air... With the crowd booing uh, because they didn't want to see Roman as the champion. Now, um, imagine the scenario where we have on this card as a main event Dean Ambrose versus Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins still the champion, and we have that moment that never actually came. Like, we had teases, we had mini matches here and there, many things happening here and there, but like, what was supposed to happen was the shield triple threat. At WrestleMania, that was supposed to be it. Uh, none of them were like this was the height of all their powers. To be honest with you, I mean, Seth has obviously gone on to be um, a, a Triple Crown champion, but if you think about it, this was peak Seth Rollins. Him as the chicken shit heel, as the leader of the Authority. Um, he was never. He's never been better. Um, this was Roman coming up as the the babyface where he wasn't like he was still getting heat from the fans, but he wasn't getting nuclear heat where people were absolutely despising him and then you had Dean Dean Ambrose who was still beloved by the fans obviously this is before he got injured before he left yada 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 but this was all kind of leading there and they and, and obviously Seth injury just had that we had to we had to kind of do what you could um and, and Triple H coming in um at, at the Rumble I actually wasn't mad at it I, I thought the idea of uh, creating the championship Being defended at the Royal Rumble Was interesting and made their match interesting And made the fact that Roman had to come back and win it Interesting um, The match in itself uh, at, at, at Wrestlemania Was okay um, Obviously you can only do so much With a guy that is um, Nearing 50 years old in Triple H um, and, and who really sh- Hasn't wrestled very much So um, I thought it was okay it was an obvious, what, we, we all knew what was going to happen at the end of the night. Um, but I, I thought this was just a circumstance of bad timing and, and, and bad luck because a lot of things were riding on the Shield triple threat match happening and it showed going down the card. Obviously, I think there were, there were different plans for Brock Lesnar. I think you can do something, with, something different with Shane McMahon. Maybe Shane McMahon doesn't come back if Seth Rollins is there. Uh, maybe you do Brock versus um, Undertaker in Hell in a Cell um, and that's your secondary match there. So um that's really what i wanted to talk about to be honest the the match that really stole the card that night was the women's triple threat match it really set off the women's revolution so you had charlotte versus becky versus uh, sasha banks but um for the main event i thought it was an okay situation they made the best of what they could out of a shitty situation which was seth rollins getting injured and really costing us the chance to see a special shield triple threat match
2: thanks jeremy that may be the nicest thing i've ever heard you say about the shield hater (laughs) all right I guess it's uh it's my turn so let's go Hi again, everyone. BJ Cruz here from Two Jabronis with the Wrestling Podcast. Back to talk about my favorite moment from WrestleMania 32. And it is the opening seven-man ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. And here's why. So first of all, multi-man ladder matches in general are a recipe for insanity. And it's like a spot fest galore with these things. And with a with talent that was involved in this match it would have taken a miracle i guess is the right word for this match not to be good this match ran a total of fifteen minutes and twenty three seconds but honestly it felt like five minutes it was it was a fast paced match high octane and and it roped you in right from the get go it felt like a um a ladder match that you'd play on on WWE 2K, right? <laughs> like everyone trying to trying to deliver their most powerful and and dangerous moves immediately, and then everyone rushing up the ladder to try and get the match over with and 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 ending. Uh, before we get into the meat of the match, though, I had a few observations even before the bell rang. One, Dolph's hair super brown. Uh, it's 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 very bright blonde now, so this was very. It was very shocking to the system. Uh, shout out to the undisputed era uh, to, to watch him come out, and then his his hair. I mean, he had some blonde in there. His hair was very, very brown. Second thing that popped out to me was uh, that that face, Sammy Zayn pop man. That was that was nice. Uh, they they really missed the boat on making him a face champion. I mean, he he is now obviously the intercontinental champion today, and is defending his title. Uh, at WrestleMania 36 against Daniel Bryan. But um, man, they they really, really missed having something special and, and a face championship run with him could have been really good. And then the third thing that stands out, and again, this is just the entrances, Stardust. Just, wow, man. <laughs> Zero pop when this dude made his entrance. And it's even more wild to watch it back now, given the reaction Cody Rhodes elicits now, like today, and how important of a figure he is in the wrestling world in general. Uh, it's it's day and night. Uh, also, again, he was Stardust. That was the character <laughs> that they decided was good for Cody Rhodes. Oh man, I I I'm just gonna move on before I get even more upset. So right when the match started, I mean, you you knew it was gonna be a good one with Sammy. And Kevin Owens squaring up and just going at each other like that was the first piece of action aside from everyone else kind of rolling out of the ring. This is the first really focal point um, action in the middle of the ring so that that was awesome to see from there the spot fest just freaking commences man with a a lot of these spots naturally. involving some elite ladder usage. My God. First Zack Ryder's suplex reversal into a neck breaker on the ladder on Stardust. Fantastic. Then KO's uh, back body drop of uh, of Sammy onto the ladder. That looked like it actually hurt. Uh, but both of those were the, the appetizer to the first main dish of ladder spots. So Sami Zayn's dive over the top rope through the ladder onto everyone was incredible. Like the precision, the timing to pull that off is just unreal. Uh, the next holy shit spot, I guess you could say was Sin Cara being pushed off the ladder by Sami Zayn, but sin turns getting hurt into a springboard off the top rope onto everyone on the outside. Absolutely incredible. I mean, admittedly, Sin Cara was probably the guy I was least excited about being in this match, uh, but he hands down delivered two of the best spots with that one, and then the crossbody onto Stardust, who was on a ladder that split in half. That was that was freaking unbelievable. Um, another spot that I enjoyed in this match, uh, which I thought was great, was <laughs> Dolph, Z- Dolph Ziggler's personal super kick party uh, he had in the in in the middle of the match. There, I think he delivers. Um, a great super kick. And I, I know, I know the move has been bastardized a bit over the last few years. Uh, a bit is being generous, but um, a good one still de- definitely gets that ooh reaction from the crowd and, and Dolph hands out some great, great super kicks. And the, uh, the last spot I thought was absolutely bonkers as my co-host would say was the half Nelson suplex Sammy delivers to KO onto the ladder toward the end of the match. I like, I I I don't even know how you can do that move safely without anyone getting hurt and it legit looked like KO was hurt cuz two referees immediately ran over to him but obviously it was okay because they let him be shortly thereafter or maybe they figured, you know, the match is almost over, like you know, he'll be all right. But man, the violence of that move during that moment of the match was was spectacular. And then of course the match ends with Zach Ryzer, Zach Ryder, I'm sorry, surprisingly going over and, and winning the Intercontinental title. Uh, it was a great moment in watching back. Seeing how over he is is kind of wild. Like now they they use him basically as a jobber um on on Raw and you know he's on main event and pre-shows. But this dude had the crowd in the palm of his hands during this time. Like the crowd was chanting woo with him and everything and, and the moment with his dad after the match was also very cool and re-watching this match was a reminder that that Zach could and should be doing more than just being a podcast star with his action figure podcast and I don't know maybe I'm just saying that because I'm trying to lessen the wrestling podcast competition and it'd be less if he was more busy with a bigger role in WWE I don't know Uh, WrestleMania 32 as a whole definitely had its ups and downs, but this was a very up way to start the card and set off the evening on the right foot. Woo, woo, woo. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this mega collabo roundtable of sorts from the Blue Wire Wrestling Pod Squad. I, I, I think I like it the more I say it, so we got to get that on a T-shirt. We hope you enjoyed it no matter what feed you're listening on, but please do go show some love to the other wrestling pods on the network that you might not be listening to quite yet, especially the three shows you heard from today. Find the Fight Game podcast, Top Rope Nation, and Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please subscribe and rate all of these shows five stars. And follow the shows on Twitter. The Fight Game Podcast is at Fight Game Media. Top Rope Nation is at Top Rope Nation. And Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast is at Two Jabronis Pod. We'll be doing this all over again next week after ESPN airs WrestleMania 35. So stay locked to all of our feeds, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.